Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Xavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place, and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees Podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side, so we're tilted at two degrees. But also, I'm going to catch up with industry professionals who I'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do. So, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Playon Foundation for Neurological Research and Brain Aneurysm Detection and Prevention. To learn more about the Playon Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Hey. Hey, hey. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm home, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's dive into it. Let's have some fun. Okay, so what are you going to do? Are you just going to ask me about? We're just going to chat, yeah. Talk industry, talk shop, talk talk the world of stunts and just yeah because it's been a while it's been a minute and um where in the world are you right now i'm in vancouver I'm back oh in- you're back cool awesome well let's start there everybody welcome to the two degrees podcast brought to you by the play on foundation today's guest is a special one because we haven't covered this this part of the industry yet we've had with all the actors that we've had on here um, and all the artists we haven't explored yet the world of stunts and I feel like that's sadly on my part also just a reflection of or not a reflection but like I just feel like I, I need to also do my job and shine light on this aspect of the film industry that still doesn't get enough attention in my opinion but everybody we got Maya Mac or again in the we, we got to keep it diverse. Maya Makatumpag. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Hello, hello. All right. Um, well, with that, let's start with there. So you are born and raised Vancouver. Yes. Now, when I started in the industry in 2009 doing stunts in Toronto, it the industry itself was already very niche and hard to get into. What was it like in Vancouver? 
So born and raised in Richmond. Um, I'm a second generation stunt woman. My mother was um, one of the first uh, black female stunt women in Canada. Um, and she was a stunt performer for 30 years. So mm. that's how I entered the business and I entered the business very early. My first job was probably as a stunt kid uh, around five or six years old. A stunt kid? Yes. I, I, <laughs> what? Yes, uh, it's not a thing, but it is a thing amongst the community. Um, okay. Because there are characters in films, there are kids movies um, where kids need to be doubled and do certain things, very minimal things like maybe falling or what have you. Mm -hmm. But the times that they needed these small stunts to be done, um, they would tap into stunt kids, kids of stunt performers who were already athletic training in uh, various things that their parents were doing that were towards the field. And so um, that's how I got my first job on Smallville season one. Um, just crying, had to cry with fire around me. And, had to uh, cry. So how close were you to the fire? So the fire was probably about six feet away from me, I'd say six to eight feet. And it was a big, big blaze? Big blaze in a house and it was supposed to be uh, saved by Tom Welling or Superman. And um, that was my first gig. And that was my first introduction to, to stunts as a kid. <sighs> I find that so fascinating because Firstly, with stunts, it's like your job is to willingly put yourself in harm's way in place of the principal actor. So as a kid, now I'm thinking in terms of permission, Yes. assuming, you know, because your mom was involved and she was the one that got you in, she gave the consent as your guardian to be like, yeah, no, she, she'll, she's fine being close what? to that. But I will say this, our job in stunts isn't to put ourselves in harm's way, it's to figure out the action that's trying to be conveyed and to mm. do it in the safest way, actually. And okay, so, yeah. And so it's not, like I say to people, it's not being a daredevil. We're not here, me evil can evil, just taking risks. We're mm. taking calculated risks. So a lot of it is a lot of rehearsal. A lot of it's very similar. To, it is, it is being a professional athlete. Uh, it's training, it's timing, yeah. and it's knowing all the factors. So my mom, knowing all the factors and everything, when she did put me up for that first job and when I was a stunt kid, there were no scenarios that would have really led me to harm's way, I would say. They were mm -hmm. just situations where I would be more comfortable growing up in movement and doing different kinds of things, where some actors just don't even, aren't even exposed to those different kinds of things and different kinds of movement. I think for me growing up, I was under the impression, especially with kids, that they did all their own stuff because of the movie Kick-Ass. Okay. Because Chloe did her, all her own shit. For the most part, um, some kids- She do also had a stunt, a stunt double? I don't know about her specific role. Yeah. Um, but for, a lot of the child actors, they have either child stunt doubles or adult stunt doubles who are just smaller. So okay. for me, I doubled a, a young man, Keith, Keith Williams on Good Boys. Um, okay. Yeah. And so that's what I did for a whole movie. He's, he was about 12. Mm -hmm. So a lot yeah. of young stunt women double young men. 
Now, when I came to Vancouver, um, it seemed like in comparison to Toronto, especially at the time, this was like four, four or five years ago. Um, wow, I've been here that long. Um, the industry here seemed to, what's the word, embrace diversity more, mm-hmm. where in, in the aspect of there's, there's more opportunities I found here in Vancouver for diverse actors. What's, how's the state of diversity within the stunt community? I'm so glad you asked that because I feel like as a department and our industry in general for stunts, it is lacking and it is very behind in terms mm. of diversity. Um, you see me in terms of a black woman, you see my mom and you probably see about 10 other black stunt women in Canada. Um, in Canada? Of, yeah. Wow. Um, in terms of black men, um, there are more, but not to the scale of any other minorities or just white men in general. Um, mm. It's not something that a lot of minorities uh, have been exposed to or knew about in the beginning. But now it's just a matter of having the proper training um, in different in different categories of race or ethnicity and a lot of people are lacking in it and also as a culture instance we haven't been as inclusive so it's been a very unsafe territory for diverse people to be honest hmm. so that's that's kind of like also what i wanted to explore where as much as there are the opportunities for diverse artists to be a part of when I got into it it already seemed very clicky and I had I was under the impression too where it was like it was it was pretty selfish as well where actors stunt actors just wanted the gig because they they not just to like blow their own horn and say that they were the best at what they did but then at the same time it was like the opportunities were were given to particular teams mm-hmm. and they only they only like focused on the team that they already had built as opposed to kind of allowing more people in mm-hmm. so what's the best way to get in then the best way to get in and i can only um, explain this from my experience mm-hmm. um, and how I did it was I trained I really did I trained at all the places that stunt people were told we have resources so in Canada we have this thing called stunt list um, which is run by uh, Dave Milray a veteran stunt performer and it's basically a database where you can look up all different kinds of resources for training stunts and how to get into stunts as well as for coordinators to find all different kinds of stunt performers that they may need to fit the bill for their shows. Hmm. So that's like the number one place that everybody goes to when they're starting. And there's a bunch of different places you can train at, a bunch of different places you can, you know, train acting, uh, gymnastics, fights, whatever, uh, to get into stunts. I would also send emails 
to all the stunt coordinators offering for my help, offering for if, if they need any sort of like big rig, if they're setting up a very big gag, usually they have volunteers or helpers or people starting out in stunts mm-hmm. to set up the rig to learn about how to do certain things and be introduced to the industry. But um, I will say that it's just persistence, like really mm-hmm. because there are such clicks and there are teams and there are people who like working with certain people, the more they see you around, the more they see you getting after training and hustling, the door and the opportunity will present itself Mm -hmm. because now roles are changing and are more available to more diverse performers. Before, historically, there was a glass ceiling or a barrier that was very strong in sense. And it started with the idea of black facing, which Mm -hmm. is um, one of the main issues in our stunt community um that i um am taking a personal stance on in the stunt community on the stunt committee and it started with white uh, sorry black actors um and actresses being doubled by either white women white men and they were being painted so that got rid of all of the opportunities for new diverse stunt mm. performers like me and young men and young women to have these opportunities but now in the stunt community, we are taking certain steps, changing um, language in our master agreement, changing language in our stunt doubling guidelines to be able for stunt coordinators to not just hire their friend and blackface them, but to really give somebody a chance who fits the bill. Nice. Now with that, how often do you experience teams recruiting? Um, I will say in the Vancouver stunt community in particular, we are now running uh, these actual workshops that are focusing on uh, certain groups that we're looking for uh, in the industry. Uh, We just uh, did one this past year for um, Indigenous performers because Mm. that is something that we are lacking um, in Canada and in our productions. Um, and that's something that we'll continue to do and our Vancouver stunt community is taking the onus on doing. Yeah. Um, but outside of our workshops, and we also had um, a motion picture driving course for BIPOC uh, members and as well as female uh, members that was run by Zendara Kennedy and Gaston Morrison in Vancouver. So there are some really, really cool things this last, say two or three years that have been introduced okay. in terms of diverse performers sweet now i'm gonna see if i can break some of my my understandings or my stereotypes of of like what i think stunt performers are i guess allowed to do yeah so when you're when you do the these stunt driving courses you get a special license no oh Okay, I was like under the assumption that this, whenever there's a stunt driver or something, they have like a, a special license, if you will. So like, for example, if you get to the level of being a professional fighter, you kind of have to register yourself as a weapon to some degree. So then it's like, yes. so now as a stunt driver, what happens if you get caught speeding like... Like, so there's no way to talk yourself out of it. Like, oh, I know I took this turn aggressively, but 
here's my my stunt driver's license. Awesome. Is that a thing? Is you that a thing? Like outside of film, like yeah. just in no, <laughs> there is no special golden ticket to get you out of seat tickets. In fact, I'm sure the stunt drivers have seen the cops more than a few times uh, outside so of funny. regular life. <laughs> yes. Okay, so how? And then once you do this course, because I've I've also been interested in in taking a course like this, just because when I get on set myself as an artist as much as I would love you know to give an opportunity for a stunt actor to take my place I'd also love to be able to do it so then when I when I or if I do this course when I get on set do I need to like show them a certificate saying oh I took this course I'm able to do these stunt driving scenes no because especially in stunts it's we're fighting with any specific skill you're going to be a, you're going to have to have trained it for years and somebody's mm. going to have to vouch for you okay um, okay and in terms of from an acting perspective you can say that you have trained in this this is something that you are currently training but there's no sort of you know checkbox that you can show them in terms of a certificate that mm. would validate you it's just a matter of like the time, the experience and people um, seeing you do these things. And yeah. you can't just do one course and say that you're a precision driver. Like it's, mm. it's just, it doesn't happen in stunts and I would never want that to happen because there's a difference between being on the track and being um, on the film set with crew coming behind you when you're resetting with cameras, equipment, with, you know lights camera action that's a completely different setting so you need to have that proper experience and for me as somebody who is just getting into stunt driving precision driving I'm a, I'm a baby and I've done three courses but that doesn't mean anything in terms of you know some of the veteran stunt performers they may not have like a certificate but they have their they can drive semi trucks they're their class you know six sevens eights they have um years of experience on set driving all different kinds of vehicles and mm. they have they can they can basically drive anything, drive bikes. They can, they can do whatever. So um, it's a loaded um, question. In that sense. Yeah. Now, you mentioned training that you've done a lot of training. When I when I first started to especially like principal acting, there was an. I'm, I'm sure a lot of other actors were or are guilty of it as well, where there's a, there's a little area on your resume for special skills. Mm. And every now and then there'd be a skill on there that you, you don't really know, <laughs> you know? So it's like now in, in the world of stunts, like you, you really can't bullshit it. So go down your list of, what you can do yeah I'm a fighter I I fight all different kinds of martial arts um weapons uh, knife work and staff that's mm. what I particularly love and do on film all the time and and sort on in film um wire work extensively mm. fighting and flying that's been my my career uh since day one so how does how does one, I guess, find these courses? So, because when I, when I started, I got in through fighting. 
So I wasn't, you know, akin to the whole wire world and all that stuff. So then I had to learn um, all that. So then where would one go um, in Canada? Where's the best places in Canada? For fighting? For, for all the different aspects of training that you've done. For all the different aspects of training. I've done training at when we used to do M1. Uh, Dan Rizzuto ran it. It was um, uh, in a Santo, uh, you know, hand-to-hand knife training. That was some of the best. It's not offered currently. Um, I did trampoline with Daryl Sheeler at Club Aviva. Oh, um, cool. Specifically for stunts um, and air awareness, which was amazing for air awareness and just before I even got on wires and when I was getting on wires and doing different things, just knowing where I was at safety wise. Um, I did mini tramp with um, Yolan at um, Cameron Rec Center and I did Gung Fu with Kirk Jakes really starting um, for film fighting. Uh, Gung Fu, that's awesome. Yes. Oh man, so. And sorry, Tang Wudo. That's where I started martial arts when I was five years old. And that's where I got my uh, black belt. In your opinion, what's the best training to do to learn to fall? Mm. For me, it's, it, there are two things. Mm. Martial arts break falls. But um, like which specific one? I'm, I'm curious to know in your opinion. Mm. I'd say it would be my break fall training. Specifically life. a break fall training yeah. one. Okay. Absolutely. Because gotcha. you know where your head is, you need to know where your chin is stuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's everything to prevent concussions long-term, which is yeah. a huge, huge issue in stunts. Do you have any opinions on the state of martial art representation in today's film industry? Because back in the day where especially when Muay Thai was starting to get big, mm-hmm. people didn't quite know it. So then now you have Muay Thai enthusiasts in the audience and it's like, oh yeah, they say this is Muay Thai, but then in reality, it's like a very poor and rough form of kickboxing or like you'll see it and, and you'll be like, they're clearly doing Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the accuracy, where where do you land on like the evolution of it and what's the state of that martial art accuracy today i it's funny for me because as a martial artist i still look at things through a very film perspective and Hmm. having you know friends who have you know created these movies and concepts and brought all different kinds of martial arts to life in these films like john wick and hearing their perspectives we get to play. So in terms of traditional martial arts, I I like seeing a mix of things. I like seeing them play to an experiment with mixing different kinds of styles and then letting it play to the character. So, you know, when they say, you know, this is Muay Thai influence, but it's not really Muay Thai, that's okay for me. As long as as it's fun and and, and it's them playing and experimenting and trying different things. Like right now there's a big, you know, jujitsu influence and a lot of the films going on and I love it. I, I, I love it. Even if it's water down jujitsu, call it what you want. It's, it's, we're starting to play around with it in films and do it right and make it look good. And when it's yeah. shot well, 
it makes me happy. When it's not shot mm. well, yeah, that's yeah. that's my pet peeve more so than playing with the movie. Now, from your perspective, as the artist in front of the camera, what do you think is important to note for like DOPs who are doing it for the first time or your cameramen that are doing it for the first time? And how do they help get the shot that you're trying to perform? Just communicate with us. Mm. Um, sometimes like there's a very, there, there's no, there's no communication. So we can't help you as stunt performers get what you're looking for. I always do my best work when I know the camera ops and we're doing a fight and I know where they want me to play to. Mm -hmm. I know what they want. I know what the director wants in terms of my physicality and I can give them what they want. Yeah. But when they talk amongst themselves and expect for, you know, these, you know, expect for the telepathy to happen between us and them, it's mm. just, it's not gonna work. So, yeah. 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 Now, I'm also curious to know, especially for you, because especially with this industry where it's, it's, there's so many risks, what's an injury that you've had that you, I guess, what's, what's the most impactful injury that you've had? I haven't had um, a career-altering injury in this business, mm. thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah. One I would say would be a chronic injury, um, mm. just a, like a back kind of um, intercostal, like lower rib area um, injury that happened that kind of just as soon as I thought it was better, it just kept coming back. Mm. But um, thankfully in this industry, I haven't had anything um, career altering. And also with our job, we are able to say no. Everything, every job that is offered to me, it's not like I'm like, yes, 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 yes. You know, yeah. throw me off the cliff. It's stunts is very much so, hey Maya, you know, uh, especially if it's a real gag, if they're, yeah. if it's not just like running and falling on a Wednesday, like if it's a, if it's like, hey, like we have a, you know, descender coming from the top of a building, and you're gonna be on fire. They're gonna tell you, and we're gonna, we're gonna rep it, and we're gonna rehearse it. So they say, hey, are you available to do this gag? You can say yes or no. So with that, you can say yes or no. Fair. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point that there was a pressure of I can't say no? So the reason why I asked that, because when I was on a stunt team, like there's always the whisper of, oh, you better say yes or else you're, you're there. You're not going to, you make yourself unavailable and they're not going to want that. So what, did you ever face that kind of pressure? Also because of the fact that I grew up in this industry and I had a mother who had gone through certain things and been pressured into certain things and had had her own experience and shared them with me. I was able to come to this industry as a different kind of newbie. With some experience, yeah. Yeah, just knowing myself and knowing my boundaries and knowing to stay within them. But that is a huge thing in our culture. And it uh, needs to be addressed because just the ability that people think, oh, if I say no, they're never gonna hire me. I've spoken to numerous stunt coordinators, stunt coordinators that I've told no to, stunt coordinators that I've never, I haven't rubbed you know, the right way. Um, 
just off the rip that finally got to know me. And the main consensus in our community, regardless of that culture, which needs to be nipped in the bud because it's backwards and it's wrong and it's unsafe, Mm -hmm. is that the majority of the stunt coordinators, especially in Vancouver, they don't want you to say yes to anything you can't do because it makes them look bad if you show up and you can't do the job or you mess it up in front of everybody. Um, So it actually is much better to say no if you know you can't do it because then you save the embarrassment for our department as well. Yeah. Have you been in any situations where you were getting pressure from like the director or maybe not yourself or witness somebody else being pressured of, Oh, you have to do this. You have to do this. Yes, absolutely. That's interesting. That's wild. Especially with the news that happens with, with the tragedies that have happened in the industry, it's because the communication's not there as well as boundaries aren't respected. Yes. Um, And I think the major thing is it's time. And when people start rushing, Mm. uh, that's Mm. the number one thing. Everybody wants to get the shot. They want to get it quick and they want to make the day. And making the day um, shouldn't be prioritized over people's safety. And that's when our department comes in. And that's why I love working for the people that I work for, because mm-hmm. the coordinators that I work for have no problem telling them, the directors, the you know, production, PMs, whoever it may be, producers, no. Like, if you want to do it, if you want to get this done, if you want to add this, this is the time that we need, this is the rehearsal that we need, and if you can't give it to us, it's not going to happen. You know, and we need yeah. more, we need less appeasing, and more actually just doing the good work and doing what it takes to do good work. How far do you think the industry is from a point where that is the norm? Um, I don't think we're far because we have many coordinators who are doing those things and setting those boundaries in production, but we do have um, people who are stuck in this old school mentality that is unhealthy there's an old school mentality in stunts that is great that I love. I love hitting the ground. I love being tough. But there is an old school mentality that is toxic in the sense of having to put yourself in positions and put life and limb on the line for a shot and mm-hmm. um, at whatever cost. Um, and there are still people around who believe in that. There are still people who try to assert that. There are still people who try not to communicate what you're doing on the day, even if it's something that you would need communication for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're being phased out though, with time. Good, good. Um, and with more and new and uh, new voices, diverse performers and coordinators being hired and given yeah. a chance, they are being phased out. And I still find that so, such a wild thing where, I don't know why it seems so foreign the safe why does health and safety seem so foreign of a concept to you know the producers or the execs or and it's just like putting people in harm's way to just get the shot Mm. where they'll put so much time and consideration in who the talent's going to be in finding locations in crafty in and it's like, 
Stunts just doesn't get that respect of time. And we want to help. Like, yeah. that's literally our job. Mm. And um, sometimes I walk on, and a lot of the times on film sets, I have to humanize myself. I have to consciously humanize myself as a stunt performer because a lot of um, the culture towards stunt performers is, oh, you're here just so that the, uh, to be at risk so that the ask, actor isn't at risk, but we have you just to, just to throw in there and to die. It's like, well, no, like we're here to keep things safe, to keep things uh, running to, you know. I, I apologize for falling in that trope earlier where that's what I, my, that's where my mind went, but the way you explained it, yeah, it's about safety. Right, it's about safety and they cut our resources um, first and foremost sometimes when they, when they need cuts and it's like, yes short term you're 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 saving this money but long term you know you're just cutting up our legs to be able to really help you guys help the actors i mean half of my job is training my actresses my actors and really like showing them how to move in a way that looks great on film one and two keeps them safe and yeah. lets them go home without having to have an ankle twist for no reason and you know, things like that. So yeah, it is, a, it is a sucky trope, but I feel like that's why I make an effort on set to go right up to the AD, say, hi, I'm Maya. They know, because sometimes they don't even want to address us um, and they keep us in this bubble. And until they know you as a person, then they care. Um, so wow. I always have to do that. I always have to be like, hi, I'm Maya. What's going on? What's the shot? And make sure I'm, I'm present. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So back to like training and stuff like that. Do you, do you think that there's like an important, a more important aspect to stunt training? I don't know if I'm phrasing this correctly, but for example, as much as it's, so effective to know a martial art to know how to throw a punch mm -hmm. i know people who have done stage combat who can throw a, a so much more convincing punch mm -hmm. based off it so like in your opinion what's more important let's take boxing for example or how to throw a punch what's more important stage combat or boxing as training it's so funny because to me the most important is knowing your space because mm. you know how to throw a punch, but we, we don't throw real punches in film. Yeah. So all of film fighting for me has been a dance. It's been spacing and like knowing how much distance is between me and my partner that I'm dancing with when I throw certain things or else everything that I've trained it doesn't matter because if there's too much space, you can see that it's fake. And if there's not enough space, I'm literally punching another actor or a stunt performer. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you can train, but it's how you train boxing. It's how you train stage combat, mm -hmm. being aware of the dance. Because mm. that's the biggest thing, actually, the biggest background that I've pulled from. It's my, actually my dance background. Uh, in, mm. stage, in stage combat and film fighting. That makes sense too, because it's, it's, 
the choreo is the most important aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so being able to keep count when you're learning, you know, a routine um, is pretty important. And yeah. the best actors that I've worked with in terms of the ones that can just go in, pick up a 30 beat fight, 40 beat, 60 beat fight, and just do their thing and make it mm-hmm. look good. A lot of them have had backgrounds in dance and they've yeah. been able to pick it up in a second because they know choreo. And then they're able to just focus on translating the movement after that because it's so easy. What's the longest sequence that you've ever done? Oh, probably 60 beat fight. 60 beat fight on oh. Ben Helsing with a knife against um, probably four mercenaries. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. And then how long did that fight sequence last? Um, say like two, two to three minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a long time. <laughs> that's really cool. And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram at playon2013 and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. Um, earlier you were you were talking about um, your chronic injury that you sustained. How versed are you with like anatomy and physiology? I wouldn't say I'm well versed, but thank God that my um, my in laws are, my family is, so it helps. Fair, because again, like when it comes to this as an art, there's so many other aspects to it, and just being more knowledgeable of your body and how your body moves and what your body can do when it comes to its limitations versus your own psychological limitations when it comes to it. What's something that you learned about your body? Or I'm pretty sure you learned so many things about your body within this industry, but what are a few things that came that can come to mind that you learned about yourself through this? I'm a better performer when I am flexible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair. Yeah. I really am. Um, uh, the best shape in my life was this past that I've ever been in uh, as an adult um, was this past year and a half. And it was more so because of how much I've trained my flexibility. Mm. It gave me a different range of motion like that I never had. Um, and I was able to pick up certain things in a, in a way faster capacity um, and a way stronger capacity because I was flexible. Yeah. Wow. Now, 
were you always flexible to a degree or was that something that you had to regain as you got older? No, Hmm. No, I was not. I, um, I was, when I was a kid, I was a dancer, but still not as flexible as, you know, you know, putting my, I wasn't putting my head, my foot up over my head and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I could do splits, but it wasn't anything crazy. But then I would, I became a basketball player. I went to um, play college ball and the culture in basketball is completely different than dance or martial arts. There is no training flexibility. It's swing your leg here and there and then get ready and go hoop. So um, that really changed everything for me in terms of injuries. So as soon as I stopped being flexible and I got into basketball after a few years playing in college, I started getting, you know, real ankle sprains, my first ankle sprain. I didn't even have an ankle sprain until college because mm-hmm. of how much I trained my flexibility. And then when I lost it, my injuries came. So to regain it, it's been hard. And it took at least like a year to even get to a space where I was not like sweating and just totally yeah. uncomfortable. Um, training flexibility but it has been so so impactful yeah oh it's <laughs> i find it so funny where it's like my parents put me in everything to kind of keep my body mobile and limber and i it's a regret for myself where it's like i feel bad that i didn't take it more seriously that and that and piano it's like i wish i Cause I just thought, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, man, I really wish I, I stuck to that. I really wish I stretched more <laughs> and all that stuff. That's um, all I would say, honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, especially being a pro athlete as a stunt performer, mm-hmm. you don't know how many years you're going to be thrashing your body. And regardless, you need to be able to be in tune with it, tune with it too. And I felt like when I was more flexible, I was more in tune with my body too. So I knew mm-hmm. like, what I could do and what I couldn't even yeah. more so so i'm glad you said that and being in tune with your body and you pushing your body to to its limits and all that stuff i got a i got a question for you mm-hmm. see if you're gonna pass this but what's the most important day at the gym what's the most important day of the gym every day is is important at the gym no there's a specific day there's a specific day there is i wouldn't know it's rest day but that's the thing where it's like it's it's when it comes to like your workout routine and all that stuff a lot of people they 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 just push themselves to the limits and not understanding that their body does have a limit unfortunately our physical selves cannot keep up with our mental so with that what does rest look like for you or when do you know you need rest Oh, I, I know right away. I know mm. when I'm pushing it uh, right away. Um, but I think that maybe it's because of how, just the, the extremes in our business, yeah. um, whether it be the crazy hours or, you know, when you get to a routine of training, uh, as soon as I feel like I need rest, it's a, it's a whole day of me genuinely resting. And then I'm always doing things so actively when I'm training though, to help myself balance with the rest, even though I may not be sleeping, yeah. you know, it's, it's infrared saunas, it's floats, it's 
um, you know, RMT, it's IMS. So mm. like, even though I'm not just laying down, I'm yeah. resting my body in certain ways, which you need to, or else you mm. can't even train to the capacity that you want to. Yeah, no, agreed. That's it's, it's so important. Cause like, especially when it comes to improving certain physical skills, it all grows within that rest period. So I think it's, it's one of those important lessons to not lessons, but important. Um, um, it's a skill set to rest properly is a skill set. Mm-hmm. And to know how your body rests is also important where, especially with Instagram, I think fads are so much easier to fall into where those fads don't aren't specific to your body and so how did you come about learning how your rest looked like trial and error Hmm. honestly um really trial and error uh until i actually like tried different things i didn't know what would work for me Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have some friends, they go to floats and they're like, this is not my thing. I'm claustrophobic. I don't want to be in a pod, you know? And for me, it was like, this is a place that I can completely, you know, turn off my phone. It's completely quiet. Yeah. I have to get into a meditative, you know, prayer state and just unwind completely. And then I get yeah. to be off my feet. So it worked for me. Yeah. Um, and it was a recovery place for my mind and my body. Um, Sauna. Is there a float spot in Vancouver? I've never actually yeah. looked. Yeah, yeah. There's a few. Um, if you just go to like Mind Body online, like that app, you can literally look up float spot. Or even on okay. Groupon, you can just look up float spot and they'll have ones that you can check out in your area. I didn't see any. I get all my massages really? from Groupon. So many. <laughs> yes. You've got to try it. It's okay, I'll look I'll look for that because like, yeah, I'm 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 trying to take more advantage of like my benefits, my health benefits and all that stuff. Yes. And it's like, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just want to go to Groupon. I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> the best bang for your buck. Cause they yeah. tell you, they tell you what you're going to get. And mm-hmm. I hate getting recommendations. And then I go to the place itself and I, I don't leave, you know, completely satisfied. Yeah. Well, yes, this is true, but you have to try it or else you don't know. And honestly, if you get your receipt from those places, then you can just submit it to your healthcare spending account. You can. Yeah. yeah. I feel like such an adult when I do that. <laughs> I know, but it's so good because I like saving money. I'm half mm-hmm. little, I'm Asian. Okay. I like saving money. It's a thing. I feel that. <laughs> um, no, but it's just like now in, in the world of, do you feel like a grown up? I don't feel like I'll ever feel like a grown up. And I think that's a good thing. And, but it's, it's, so it's like, I think that is probably my favorite part of growing up. Whereas, just, cause just, I just recently did it. Um, I, I, I hate taxes. Ah, <laughs> Having to okay. do taxes is a bitch. But um, when it comes to like submitting things to, my insurance company it's like yeah this is I'm, I should be better at this mm. and it's like I'd say that's that's my favorite part of 
growing up, if you will, because yeah, I agree. Well, I don't want to grow up. I just want to, I just want to stay young and, and, and just explore more where I feel adults, that definition, the definition of adults is very restrictive to, you know. And it puts you in a box. I mean, I, but I also love being an adult and accessing all the positives and the benefits of being an adult like I like being able to like go to the dentist and like have it covered like yeah and I love you know being able to get sunglasses or a hot tub you know taking care of through insurance yeah, which is yeah. good um, uh, I have yeah. a confession just because you brought that up and <laughs> I haven't been to the dentist since I've been in Vancouver but I, I also like I don't know. Maybe that's the Asian in me too, where it's just like, <laughs> I, I won't go unless something's wrong, which is a terrible mindset. But at the same time, it's like, I've only known to go to the dentist if like I have a pain in my mouth mm-hmm. and I, I've not gone wood. I haven't had a pain in my mouth since I've been here. And even before then, the last time, I think the last time I went to the dentist was, 2013 <laughs> yeah but that's real that's yeah. real. a lot of people that that's that's a similar thing because like you said nothing's going wrong like nothing's yeah. happening but it is good it's good to go just to get it off your you know checklist and say you're gone and it's covered so oh man that's so funny and I think that's a great segue into this question where what's what's a common I guess mental health issue that's within the stunt community the most common i think would be um anxiety Hmm. stress um, unhealthy work hours and a lack of balance in their life Hmm. Uh, anxiety um and then a lot of people um you know, are just high functioning with depression, but they're still depressed. Um, Because we live such um, extremes in our career and just in turn, our life, um, a lot of people when they get home and it's quiet, it's hard, it's a hard transition. Or when you've Mm -hmm. been working in a show action packed for eight to 10 months and then you come back and it's, you're in the birds and it's quiet and you don't have anything to do day to day. It's a hard transition for a lot of performers. Um, did you, did you go through anything to that capacity? Um, yeah, I've suffered with anxiety for years. Um, before being in stunts full time, um, even throughout college, just being a very intellectual person, um, overthinking things, overthinking the future and trying to have control of everything. And I feel like it's something that needs to be acknowledged first and then you're able to heal. And so I've always been very conscious going through this industry of making sure I have that balance because I know if I don't, it'll be to my detriment. And if I don't take care of myself first, I will give this industry everything and have nothing left to come home to. And I think that's so... Um, important for people to hear because you want to always say yes you want to always be available it's very fear-based it's very you know you got to take this you never know when you're going to have the next shot 
even if you're not prepared or healthy. Um, it's just second, everything's second to the job. And mm -hmm. I think that you have to be first or else I've seen people wither away. I've seen people lose their marriages, um, their attachment to their children, and they've looked back on it and they do have regret. And I never want to go and look back on a career in an industry that I love and have regret or resentment. Mm -hmm. Now, were you always, did you always have that mindset where it's like, the the job comes second or did you have to learn that um in stunts i always had that mindset mm. because of the example that was shown to me from my mother who at a time stunt women if you had children you were written off um, wow you obviously couldn't do the job because you're too going to be too busy taking care of your kid your body was going to change and you'll never be the same um so but my mom had no problem accepting that and still starting a family and mm -hmm. you know her career turned into what it turned into and wouldn't didn't flourish the same way because of the times that she was in but to see that example of no no like my family was first regardless of my career and her genuinely being happy with her choice and knowing that that was what was best for her. Um, that set an example for me going into the industry that which we had a talk with before I went full time into the industry, her being like- And when was that? Um, that was uh, five and a half years ago. Okay. I graduated from college and I was like, I'm gonna pursue this full time, it's the only time. What'd you take um, in college? Um, I was pre-law, uh, okay. political science major. Um, and Is, like- Now, was that because that's what you wanted to do or just that was the option that you just were sent in no it's all it was, it was always what i wanted to do from day one wow yeah you know wanting to critically think about things argue about things yeah just pose the other side it really was always what i wanted to do and i thought mm -hmm. it was going to be where i was the most impactful but i also i think was going to burn out if i went straight to law school so i was like let me try the film industry because this is the only time mm -hmm. Be able to truly go after this and see if this is for me and um that was a talk that my mom had with me like okay that's fine like you'll know if you like it once you once you eat shit you'll know you'll either smile or you'll be like mm -mm, i don't want to come back and i ate shit and i smiled and i got up and i had so much fun and i loved yeah. it but uh she said you have to be you still and find your path properly you know so wow a gift that's fascinating and I think that mindset is a testament to the success that you've had and the places that you've been and traveled to to work where I feel like an artist's potential doesn't really get unlocked until they realize that the job comes second. Because like you say, like I've, I've also witnessed people wither away and burn in the light where they put the job first and not only does that put pressure on them as a person, but it also puts pressure on them as an artist because now if they, they marry themselves to it. So then it's like, if they're not successful in their art, that makes them an unsuccessful person. And so it's just, it's, it's, a, it's just a wild realization that I've had, especially doing this podcast and talking with so many actors where they've taken that step back and I'm 
glad that I've I've kind of been fortunate enough to surround myself around particular actors who have adopted that mindset because it's iron sharpens iron where it's helped me also take that step back. So with that though, like I guess who are some other than your mom, like who are some stunt actors that you emulate after? Oh, um, Juandis Candace, she's a, she's an American uh, stunt woman. She runs actually Stunt POC. She created a database uh, so that stunt coordinators could find diverse performers of all mm. ethnicities and races. Um, so that was, she's one of the coolest. She's OG, she's doubled Queen Latifah, and some of yeah. the coolest, biggest names in the game. And yeah. um, other stunt women, uh, Janine Carlton, uh, you know, Christabel, uh, so many, uh, so many, Kirk Cowetti, um, just, there are so many, Dan Rizzuto, uh, you know, Aaron Tony, hmm. like he's a, you know, he's the Falcon uh, stunt double, you know, Mr. Mr. Marvel, he's like a big brother to me and a mentor and somebody that I, um, who've really shown me a lot, Larry Lamb, Mel Stubbs, I can go on. Like, what's, I love uh, what's a piece of advice that somebody has given you that's stayed with you? Um, oh, I'm sorry, Maya and Jeff Aro, um, they're people who um, are good people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they gave me advice, they said, you know, um, you can be whatever you want to be in this industry. Mm. Like you, you truly have control over your path. Like I speak it every day. Um, I believe for it every day. And, you know, even though I may, something may not fit for me or be not be for me, or I've had to say no to something or draw a boundary. And I've, you know, for in the moment felt like, oh, like I've missed out on like, well, I can't believe I said no to that, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Oh my God, what have I, what have I missed out on this? What have I, what have I, um, all those moments where I've been able to draw clear boundaries or say no to something that wasn't for me, have made room for um, the biggest, best things that have ever happened in my career. So. Yeah. Have you had an opportunity to double for somebody that like, you always looked up to within the industry? Um, in terms of uh, actors? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, we can't, is it we can't say that yet? Is that what where the hesitation is? Okay, <laughs> sweet. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's also still about, and you mentioned before where it's like you're playing so you want to you want to have fun when you're on set and so i'm i'm i want to know if like you have any any fun doubling stories that come to mind that you can share oh there's so many um what i love about my job and being a stunt double in particular is getting to know all the different actors um and what they're trying to do with their characters and get to know them as women. Mm. Um, I get to meet these, being and growing up in Vancouver, you don't see a lot of black women in general. I'm a token of a lot of things. 
Mm. So being able to go on a film set and to go on a film set, I'm probably the token of a lot of things as a black woman, but like being able to have an actress that I'm doubling, I know there's going to be another black woman there that, you know, can see me and will and we'll be able to relate to some degree. And, it, and it's so wonderful to be able to work, um, to be able to work with them. But one of the most fun experiences that I've had have been like the ones that I don't expect. Like on a Wednesday, I was doubling on Arrow um, and I didn't get to make the rehearsal. Um, and so I show up on the day, and Eli Zubidakis, awesome stuff coordinator he's like hey Maya you're gonna go up there and you're gonna um, zip line and descend down from the top of a building through an explosion and I was like okay like how big is the explosion he's like I don't know like it'll probably be you know it'll be big but it shouldn't be anything crazy all it was like all actually they were um it was the canary descender so it was like all four women we go through and we get we get all the way to the top of this building in Vancouver and I'm like looking down like okay here we go and they were like three two one action we get down the zip line and it's like the biggest explosion <laughs> I I don't think that that was even allowed it was huge and we went through it and I remember being like a kid on a ride like oh my gosh like trying to close my eyes as well because safety yeah but uh, that was like a random Wednesday, and it was just like, this is my, this is my job. This is fun. You touched on an interesting thing where it's like, the fear is still very real when, when stunts are involved and special effects are involved. Because like, you never really know um, like how big the explosion is going to be or how loud it's going to be. You can only guesstimate to a degree and then you kind of put yourself in that situation and it's like, it's yes. real. This is, this is real. Yes, yes, it is real and all the things, but, um, and it's more so like, let's, I guess maybe because I'm a stunt performer, I don't translate it as fear. I just translate it as like nerves. I get those like hmm. excited nerves. There's not a time where I don't, right before they say, you know, rolling that I get those nerves. And that's why I know something good's gonna happen too. So yeah, yeah. No, that's so fun because it's like so many times I get asked, "How do you deal with your nerves on set?" I'm like, I, I don't. I use them. They're there. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no putting yes. it aside. Like, yes. <laughs> there's so many nerves that come up because not only are the stakes high in terms of the production wanting to get the shot and to move on and all that. But then it's like to be in a situation where, you know, you're on display as well. Like you're, you're your own walking resume. So you need to, you need to show up and show that you can do what you said you can do. So it's, it's, I, I'm happy you said that, especially <clears throat> as senior as you are within this industry where that you still have the nerves yes. <laughs> yeah and that like you said you use them but like that's how i know like something good's gonna happen when i feel like when i'm really nervous like um yeah when i'm really nervous and i'm about to do something i'm like okay like let's do it like that's when i feel like it's right before it, it's it's the closest thing and very similar thing to that feeling that i have to like right before a basketball game when mm. you're warming up and the music's playing and you're just like 
it's about to be go time. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the best feeling in a way too. It's fun. Yeah. Now, has there ever been a moment where you kind of just like had to take a step back in a positive way where you're just like, fuck, this is my life. This is dope. When was, <laughs> when was like the, the, I guess your favorite moment that that happened or is this under the category of we can't talk about that yeah we can't talk about (laughs) it but it was this past year it really was okay working on what i was working on Mm -hmm. man has this um industry or this this career of yours brought you outside of north america yet no Mm. not outside of north america okay because um, it's just so fun um, seeing different aspects of this industry and, and what people do to some capacity where I had a friend who was wondering if he should do stand-in work. And then that brought him to Europe because wow. he made such a connection with the actor that he was standing in for that he was invited to be a stand-in on a European project and I was like dude like amazing yeah <laughs> yeah like the traveling that you get to do in this job not to say like yeah like there are so many opportunities like Budapest there's so much going on in South Africa right now yeah. um, so like yeah there's so many opportunities that you hear about all around the world if you want mm-hmm. man I'm so eager to work on a project in South Africa that's like Really? Yeah, just because I have a lot of friends there that I've met when I used to work on cruise ships. Okay. And I'm still in contact with them. They're great people. And every time, like, we get into a conversation, it always ends off in, when are you coming? And I was like, ah. Soon. Yeah. And um, this past year, like, I had the opportunity to audition for a couple projects that were happening there. Didn't get it. But the fact that now that's that's Happy. on the map, that's on the radar, where it's like, yeah. let's fucking go, let's do oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a matter of time, seriously, when those things start happening, absolutely. Oh man, oh Maya, I just want to say thank you so much for lending me your time. It's it's it means it means a lot whenever guests say yes, just because you know. Y'all have busy lives, and I get it. I appreciate it. I understand it. And but I'm so happy that you're able to come on and share your knowledge with the industry. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, um, it was so interesting that you were reaching out to me because when you were reaching out to me, I had it on my heart. Like, okay, I need to start talking about my experiences and the things that I'm passionate about in this industry. So thank you for giving me the opportunity because it really is like aligned with what I need to do this year yeah no for sure and I was I was and it's it's so funny when people are busy Mm -hmm. and it's like it's one of those things especially in this industry where I think it's this industry that kind of solidified it and, and embossed it in my brain where it's like these are good problems to have being busy is a great problem to have so I was I was more than thrilled to have to postpone this to now and just wait until you're free just so I can hear as much as I can about it. And I'm, I'm eager to 
let me know when the project comes out and mm -hmm. then when you can talk about it then i'd love to bring you back so we can talk about it yes november november sweet mm -hmm. awesome now yeah. with that real quick <clears throat> we can talk about star trek mm -hmm. yeah what was what was so the star trek you're on is discovery yes yeah now were you ever a trekkie or into that whole sci-fi world no, my dad was a Star Wars guy, so he was the opposite <laughs> world. That's funny. And then what was it like when they found out that you were doubling in Star Trek? Oh, they love it all. They yeah, love yeah, yeah. anything, Star, anything. They're like, that is so big. That is so cool. Um, so funny. And it was the first Black female captain. Um, yeah. So it's history. It, yeah. I mean, Meek was amazing. So it was great. Now, has it made you any more of a fan or are you still kind of just like the opportunities are there and I'm just grateful to be there type of vibe? Um, I'm very much the star performer who is like all about the experience. Mm -hmm. Like um, I love seeing the end product. I love seeing like some of the things that the team has done and that we've created and whatever. But like I really look back at shows and I think about like what it took to make them you yeah. know like the experience that like we had making them rather than like the final product because I feel like the final product is something completely different than yeah. what we experience like in rehearsals and on set like they edit it they they add and they make it that show but like yeah. that experience is so stunts can me. you can you share any particular memory of that experience yeah, just um, sword training um, on that show because we had a couple new characters uh, being introduced. So they had these um, nuns who were like badass assassins. Mm. Um, one of them was uh, supposed to be Sonequa's mother. And um, so we got to concept and play around with a lot of sword stuff, which was so much fun. Yeah. And I got to work with uh, almost like a you know those people that you know through the grapevine that know all the people you know but you've never met them uh dennis bond and he's just one of the kookiest uh, uh funniest dudes around and so we just and he's a big muay thai fighter muay thai guy and so before we would rehearse he we would he'd be like hey mike get the pads and we would just hit some pads yeah. for like 30 40 minutes and it was just it was just fun it was just a great environment considering it was completely shut down in COVID in Toronto to be able to like have life go on and be like training and doing stuff and meeting a whole new team was it was I was fortunate really fortunate nice awesome again congratulations with all your success and especially with that but last question just because you you brought it up as well mm -hmm. um what is your weapon of choice and two when it comes to i guess the flair of it which is the weapon you go to to the most showiest or the weapon that you can use with the most flair staff the staff staff on for that for both answers for your favorite uh, weapon as well as favorite weapon i think it used to be nunchucks hmm. um as a kid but now I think it's dagger. Wow. And um, but for, for the first question and then for the second question, it's staff where you can mm. just show up and 
have fun yeah 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 sweet noted i because like it's always one of those things where it's just like what, what I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of been posed that question too it's like what weapon do you want to use mm-hmm. i think the staff is pretty cool let's 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 go staff yeah and because you can play so much with it and you know it translates to so many other weapons like if mm. you can if you can move around the staff you can do you can do some stuff so yeah Noted. Fun. Awesome. Well, everybody, again, thank y'all for tuning in and listening to the wonderful Maya. And if you ever are interested to get into stunts, please feel free. Links in the comment below. Um, and I'm pretty sure she'd also have some advice. So follow her on Instagram as well. And if, especially if you are a person of color and yes, this industry just needs more diversity and that balance is coming the balance is coming so i'm and that's also another thing i gotta i gotta give you praise for is congratulations on being in this industry and representing in this industry during this time because your face is important to to the the fight that's happening in hollywood for that equity not even equality that equity so yeah Yeah. keep putting that work in and keep it up but other than that everybody thank y'all for tuning in two degrees podcast brought to you by the play on foundation be safe maya and everybody thank you all for tuning in artwork by monique lizardo music by kate cole if you enjoy the podcast please like subscribe share tag us Whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation. And lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Javi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast.